Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. What a blessing it is to have this type of technology to where we can come together and still be a part. This is not anything like an in-person service, but it is really, really good to see you. Um, I know I can't actually see through the camera, but as I stand here, I can see the faces that sit here Sunday after Sunday. And just know I'm praying for you. I'm delighted to be able to keep in contact through mediums like this, through our website, lots of emails, lots of text, and just know, uh, love you. I spent two weeks in Israel, got back about a week ago today, and uh, we had an amazing time. The trip was uh, very, very good. As you know, if you've ever been there or if you're planning to go there, it's just full of excitement, and the Lord really, really spoke to our hearts, and it was really, really a good time. But even though we're not having an in-person service, it is also true that we can be together. We can be together in spirit. We can be together in purpose. We can be together in unity. Even as Paul said, when he wrote to that church that was at a distance, he said, I'm not with you in presence, but I'm there in spirit, and it's just as important. And so we participate in that, and we know that very well. Also, it was mentioned earlier about tonight at 630 Uh, Don't forget that. Show up right where you're showing up now. You may be in your living room. You may be at a restaurant. You may be driving down the road watching this, which I highly uh, do not recommend. Uh, You might be breaking laws. But tune in, 6.30 tonight. We'll be going through school, uh, prayer school, going through the Lord's Prayer. And tonight uh, we will be presenting just like we are now, and you'll have notes to download if, if you would like to. But really, stay in contact through email, through Facebook, through the website, through Instagram, and all the usual sources that you are able to stay in contact with us. And in this climate of uncertainty, we're not sure when we'll be back together, but we will be back together soon. There are a lot of people who are frustrated, and and obviously there is definitely some danger. But yet our trust is not in man. Our trust is not in the climate. Our trust isn't even in our own physical health, but our trust is in the Lord. And I just want to quickly give an admonition out of Psalm chapter 1. And in Psalm 1, it says this, it says, Blessed is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of the sinner or join the group of the mockers. Instead, and here's where we need to be, instead of letting fret take over, worry take over, instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree that is planted beside the streams of water that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither, whatever he does, he prospers. And so this is an incredible time. Even though there's separation, even though there's uh, social distancing that is going on, we still need to be very, very clear that this is a time that we can advance in our spiritual life. Take advantage of some of the still time that you have. Mimic the Lord in His quietness. And watch the advantage of the kingdom come upon you, even in times like this. Because it's times like this that really makes us the people that we are. And then as we continue in our series on the Ten Commandments, it's very fitting that we consider the character of God in times like this. That we know for sure exactly what God is like. In fact, the commandments are based upon His character. In Exodus chapter 20, and this is our text... 
Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 3, he says, Do not have any other gods before me, and the reason why is because God is supreme. Do not make any idols for yourself, and the reason why is because God is loyal, and He expects us to be loyal also. He says, Do not take my name in vain, and the reason why is because God's name is holy. He tells us to honor the Sabbath. Why? Because God is a restful God, and He wants you and me to rest in Him. We are told to honor our parents because God is full of honor and, and parenting is a responsibility that God does and it, we mimic God like that. He's our father and so we are to show honor. We're also to, uh, to not kill or not murder. Why? Because the image of God is inside of you. We are not to steal. Why? Because God provides everything we need. And we are not to give false testimony. This is our text. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. And the reason why is because God is a God of truth. And in these moments, while we have time alone, maybe time to settle down and rest, might these Ten Commandments guide our ways? Might, might we be moved? Might we be moved to be more and more like God? And today, we're going to be talking about our mouths. In fact, the title of the sermon is, Watch Your Mouth. Some of the greatest things I've ever done in life and you as well, has been done with your mouth and what you say. Maybe some of the, the worst things you've done in life, just like me, have taken place because of my mouth was not in control. Some of the greatest damage I've ever done on earth has taken place with my mouth, and I bet you might be the same. And the reality is, only 10 words that we use, only 10 words make up 25% of our total language. Can you believe that? If you just know 10 words, you can say 25% of the language. 50 more words, and that covers half of the vocabulary you use. In fact, we only really have and use 6,000 words according to the sources. We basically master and have learned about 6,000 words, but there's actually a half a million words in the English vocabulary that we have access to, but we really just use 6,000, and actually half of them, we only use about 60. And so what words have you chosen to use? Out of all the half a million words you could use, you and I have chosen just about 60 words to produce half of the verbs and words, the nouns that we use. So why have you chosen the words that you use? And how do you use them? It's a very good question. In fact, the Bible gives us some warnings on ways not to speak, some things that are wrong. Why? Because the mouth can be filthy. The mouth can be bad. In fact, the mouth can gossip, the mouth can cut, the mouth can fight, the mouth can bite, and the mouth can lie even without moving its lips. But let's look at just the filthiness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 says this, By now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices. So the mouth is conditioned by the heart. The mouth is informed and fueled by the attitude of our soul. And what comes out of our mouth can reveal what's in our heart, and it can be very, very bad. In fact, not too long ago, I remember talking to a gentleman, and he was mentioning and complaining about some of the relationships in his life. He was talking about how it seems like everybody uh, gives him a hard time, and it seems like he was very critical towards most people in his life. 
He had talked about feeling a separation. He had talked about how people have lashed at him. And we were good friends. And as we're talking, I just said, let me ask this one question. What do you think it is about you that makes most people, your words, makes most people reject you, harass you, or be just cantankerous with you? And he said, that's a very difficult question to ask. And as we began to unfold this social problem that he was having, I came to the conclusion and I just bounced it off of him. I said, do you think it's possible that it's your words, your harsh words, and your cantankerous attitude that begins to fuel all of this angst against you? And then we, we kind of came to the conclusion, both of us, just friendly talking this out. And he said, you know, I think, I think it's what it is. It's a, it's, it's a condition, it's a response in my own heart, and I am harsh, and my words are. And so we began to just take a journey through what the Scripture says about words and how words can change us. And many people began to give false testimony. We're all accustomed to it. We're accustomed to telling a lie, throwing a slander. We're accustomed to do that. In fact, it's very common for someone when someone says, how you doing, just to say, I'm okay. In fact, a brother told me today, he asked me, text. He said, how are you doing? And I said, good. And then I thought, well, actually, let me tell you the full story. Here's what's really going on in my life. It wasn't bad. I just wanted to inform him and be full of integrity. But do we lie when people say, how are you doing? Maybe you tell a little white lie when somebody invites you to some event and you're, you're accustomed to telling a lie just to get you out of a social event that you don't want to be a part of. Sometimes if we tell a little lie, we can get a day off work. And that becomes part of the fabric of our life. And I remember one time watching these two boys get into a fight and they were arguing over something. And then all of a sudden the parents got involved. And, you know, one child's parents began to defend him. The other parent's child began to offend him. And I'll just call one boy Freddie. And Freddie said something and the other boy said, you're a liar. And the mother stepped in and said, my son never lies. And I'm like, whoops. That kid needs to be in the Smithsonian. The kid... The only kid in the world that doesn't lie. Say, we, we can lie by nature. We are, you don't have to teach a four-year-old to lie. They just begin to make up stories, and it's a part of our fabric, and it can be a problem. So Exodus chapter 23, verse 1 through 3, expounds on this commandment, and listen to all the things that it includes when it says, do not give a false witness. You must not spread false reports. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Do not testify in a lawsuit and go along with the crowd to pervert justice. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in his lawsuit. In other words, you tell the truth, speak the truth, and do it in love. Let's look at how it manifests, this filthiness manifests. Here's how it manifests. First of all, the mouth can gossip. And we've talked a lot about gossip. In fact, we've gossiped about gossip, only in a good way. We have a whole sermon series on gossip and what of it means. But let's just look at a couple verses. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says this, Gossips, or a gossip's words, are like choice foods that goes down to one's innermost being. So that word choice food, another translation says it's a morsel. It is, it is something that you love. And I don't know what snack you go for. I don't know what you like. I was checking out at the store the other day, and I saw a Reese's. And man, that... I don't know what it is. I love Reese's. I like the chocolate. I like the peanut butter. And it's like this choice morsel that when I eat it, it just makes me feel good all over. And sometimes gossip is the same way. You want to be the first to speak 
and you speak in a way that probably is a type of slander or malicious or something wrong towards another person, but it feels so good. And some people have grown accustomed to the way that that feels, and they become a gossiper. The book of Romans says this, talking about the depraved, says they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrelsome, deceit, and malice. They are, he just sums it up, they are gossips. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. It's a condemnation. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13 says it this way. It says, at the same time, and it's talking about uh, certain people who go about from house to house. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. They're not only idle, but are also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they shouldn't say. And so what is gossip? Here's what gossip is. Gossip is giving bad news with a bad heart to cast a bad light on somebody. That's what gossip is. Gossip is a problem. But gossip doesn't only hurt other people. Let's get this straight. Gossip hurts the gossiper. It hurts you. It hurts me when we do it. There are two things that go wrong when you gossip, and here they are. Number one, gossip tells other people that you're not trustworthy. Also, it's gossip tells others you are not a good friend. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13 says it this way, speaking about trustworthiness. A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. It's in contrast. Someone who's not trustworthy will gossip. Someone who is trustworthy will gossip. And then we come to the next one. A gossip tells others you're not a good friend. Here's how. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A contrary man spreads spreads conflict, and a gossip uh, separates close friends. So when you gossip with someone, the person who's listening to you knows two things about you. Number one, you're not trustworthy. If you gossip about them, you'll gossip about me. And then secondly, it begins to separate friends on that same basis. I don't know if I want to tell this person very many other things. So we begin to cause conflict when we disobey this ninth commandment of not giving false testimony. But also, not only can the mouth gossip, but the mouth can cut. The mouth can cut. In the ninth century, King Alfred, he was king of Wessex and England, He had a rule in his kingdom, in his rule, that if you were involved in slander, that you would get your tongue cut out. I wonder if that was the law today, how much slandering would be going on. In fact, most of the news stations, instead of it being an hour news, would only be a 15-minute news. You notice how, how much time news stations spend slandering people. How much of Facebook is spent slandering people. How communication is spent. So this king just said, I'm going I'm to get rid of slander. I'm going to cut your tongue out if you slander. Now, that is a horrible price to pay, and the king knew it. So he gave a redemptive plan. The redemptive plan literally was to make sure that you had a way out, and that way out was you could pay the price uh, for your redemption. So the price of a man, let's say it was $10,000 for a slave, and the mouth was worth uh, $5,000, and you would pay this fine. So the king gave a way out. And in that way out, people could, get, could become redeemed. Listen to what Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 says. These are the things you must do. Speak truth to one another. 
Make truth and sound decisions within your gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor, and do not love perjury. For I hate all of this, says the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says this, So rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. So there's a problem with our mouths, particularly when they cut and they hurt. The old childhood saying that says, Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me is just not true. Anyone who ever memorized that little poem knows it's not true. So not only can the mouth cut, but it also can fight. And it seems like even in religious circles, there's a lot of people that love to have a religious brawl. We love to defend our faith. Now, honestly, the things we believe about Scripture, our walk with the Lord, the people we worship with, are very passionate things that we want to protect. But too often we love to fight about these things. We love to argue about these things. And too often it becomes a status symbol around our social circles of how, how great we could be or how mature we look if we can win debates, how we can start fights. And it's just a sin. There are definitely some secondary doctrines or tertiary doctrines that we love to argue and we become very skillful at it, but it just can be sinful. In fact, we need to be very careful. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 says this way. It says, He is conceited. It's talking about this contentious teacher. He is conceited, understanding nothing, but has a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicion, and constant disagreements among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. And so it's saying that even though you know religious concepts and theology, you might know a lot of Scripture, you actually know nothing. If you're using these things as ammunition to prop up your own ego, to win an influence, and to be applauded, and we need to be very, very careful with these types of fights. Also, the mouth can bite. It can cut, it can fight, it can also bite. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 25 when King David and all of his men were hiding out in the hills and they're running from Saul and they came across a land of Nabal's and he had sheep and he had goats and he had herdsmen and while they were hiding out there, they, they didn't raid the sheep, they took care of the men and everything was fine. And then King David sent some men to Nabal and said, Hey, Nabal, do you mind if we have some of the food? We've actually been working for you. We need some supplies right now. We're low on supplies. And then Nabal hit the roof. I mean, he got upset. He told his servant, Man, you tell your king to get lost. I don't have to bow down to you. And he just blew up with anger. His wife heard about it. And, of course, beautiful Abigail, she intervenes and she loads up this donkey with all kinds of cakes, fig cakes, flower cakes and all kinds of food, grapes, and then she goes down to David. By this time, David had heard the news, and he had, already he had already strapped on his armor for battle. He got all of his men ready to war on Nabal, but Abigail comes up and with beautiful words of repentance. In fact, she even says this, my husband is arrogant and stupid. That's the word that's used in the text. My husband has blown it. And if you don't mind, he is that kind of a guy, so let me intervene and David said, you're right, your husband's a jerk, a bozo, and if it wasn't for your kindness, he would be dead right now. 
So oftentimes we, we blow up, we lose our temper, and there are always consequences. When you are not in control of your words, someone else is. And if your words are not directed for good, then the enemy can use them for bad and you will pay the consequences. And that is just a problem. Colossians 3 verse 8 says this, But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Ephesians 5 says, Avoid coarse jesting and foolish talking or crude joking. They're not suitable, but rather give thanks. So it's a condition of the heart is what we learn. But also, our mouth can offend God. And that's who we worry about the most. We are more concerned about the Lord and our speaking, our talk towards God and our prayer life and our worship life. Listen to this. Someone once said, and it wasn't just this last week, they said this. They said, Christians lie more while singing hymns than any other time in their life. And I'm like, what? And they made the comment, yeah, Christians lie more often when they're singing hymns or choruses or worship songs than any other time in their life. I said, tell me what you mean. And they made the comment. They said, well, when you, say, I, when you sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, and yet this week you haven't been following Jesus. When you sing songs like, He is my all and my all, and yet you don't live like He's your all and your all. So imagine for a moment, we come into the household of God among the people, and we begin to sing songs, and they're beautiful songs, they're well-written, they're full of Scripture, and when my life doesn't match what I'm singing, then there's a problem. What needs to happen is conviction comes, and it always comes, but what do we do with the conviction? When the song comes up, on the screen, and we're reading those words, and I'm about to sing them, and I, you know, I realize that that song doesn't match my heart, then I, at that moment, what I should do, and what I hope I do every time, what I hope you do, is at the moment of conviction, we respond, and we say, Lord, forgive me, I want, I want you to be my all in all. I surrender anew, I surrender afresh, and now I can sing it with all my heart. But to just give lip service and just to sing these songs, knowing that they're not true, is a lie, and it's a lie to God, and it is a problem. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31, it speaks about those pastors that are preaching, the prophets that are preaching, and they begin to speak 99% truth of God's Word, and they add 1% lie, and God is just hammering the prophets, hammering the pastors. In fact, if you're a preacher, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you're a life group leader, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you need to be very, very careful with what you teach. I need to, I must, we must rightly divide the word of truth, knowing that we are held accountable for every single word. And so I do not want to lie before God. I do not want to lie before people. That's why we desire and we as teachers at Glen Meadows, what we want to do is go verse by verse in the text and just expound on what it says because God has more to say than what anybody else has to say, or at least should. And this is a problem. In Zechariah 13.3, God has a strong word of judgment against the prophets who prophesy lies. And He says this, you must die. I mean, it's a serious judgment for someone to prophesy or to stand behind this sacred desk and say, thus saith the Lord, when God doesn't say, thus saith the Lord. In fact, I would caution each one of us 
Before we say, God told me anything, because we hear that often, hey, God told me to do this, or God told me to do this, or God told me to say this, I would caution you to be, maybe use different words, actually. You might just say something like, hey, it occurred to me, because it's still on the back burner. I I think it's the prompting of the Lord, but let, let me just share with you with Scripture what I believe this says. Be very, very slow. In fact, you will never hear me say, thus saith the Lord, unless I'm reading a verse. And that's the way it ought to be. How else do we lie to God and we offend God? Listen to what Peter told Ananias and Sapphira. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? It's in chapter 5 of the book of Acts. And in this passage of Scripture, the scene is they were in distressful times. They were under great persecution. And in this time, they began to share with one another, much like what you see happening right now with this virus scare. Many people are on Facebook saying, hey, I've got an extra this, I've got an extra that, I have some meat, I have some spaghetti, whatever, and we're just sharing with one another. Back then, it was even more severe. People were running for their lives. And while running for their lives, they began to help those who had no employment or had no money, and people began to sell things to share with those who were in need. And what they would do is they would bring this offering to the apostles' feet and just say, this is for the body of Christ to use as needed. And yet, those who came forward, everybody could watch them coming forward, and who knows, maybe some began to idolize those that were giving, and that's ungodly. And so Ananias and Sapphira, here's what they did. They sold land, and they took a portion of the land, and they gave it to the apostles in front of everybody, and then they lied. They said, this is some total of what we got for the land, but they didn't. They kept some back for themselves. And watch what happens. He says this. Peter says, then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? In other words, when he told a lie to the congregation, two things were happening. The enemy had filled his heart and motivated him to do this. And the second thing, he was lying to the Holy Spirit. So what happens in church doesn't stay in church. What happens when you're around the body of Christ isn't just for the ears of the other person. Whether you're whispering it or whether you're shouting it, the Holy Spirit hears every single word, every single syllable, and we give an account. And of course, you know the account of Ananias and Sapphira. They they died on the spot. They died right there because of the presence of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 through 7 says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to draw near in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools. For they ignorantly do wrong. It says, do not be hasty to speak. And do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. So he's saying, listen, it's better to to come to church in honor than to come to church like a fool and just speak whatever you want, sacrifice any way you want, and not be careful in the presence of God. God hears our mouth and we need to be very, very careful. Also, Let me just ask the common question. So what really is wrong with lying? What's really wrong with false testimony? And here it is. Jesus makes it clear in John chapter 8, verse 44. Your lying mouth, my lying mouth, when we do it or if we do it, 
It reveals an influence in our life, and it's not God, it's the enemy. Listen to this, John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil. And he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees who are trying to trap him. He's kind of having a showdown or the last time with these Pharisees. And you are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He, he was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, let me, let me appeal. We desire to be like Jesus, not like the world. And there is a big difference. So the mouth should speak truth, not lies. The mouth should speak blessings, not curses. Our mouth should speak life, not death. And when we do, we are much like Christ. What was Jesus like? In Mark chapter 10, verse 24, it says, But the disciples were astonished at His words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? In other words, His words were mesmerizing, were liberty, were life. They were amazed at His words. Luke chapter 4, verse 22 says this, They were all speaking well of Him. Let's talk about the community. And they were amazed by the graciousness the gracious words that came from his mouth. Instead of being impressed with all kinds of things and all kinds of ways of public speakers, they were impressed with Jesus' graciousness, his kindness, his gestures, his love, his humility, and it was evident through his words. How about your words? How about my words? Men, they reveal everything. The power of words is obvious. Your words matter. Your words matter to you. Your words matter to God. Your words matter to everyone else. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says. So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, it was talking about don't talk like this, don't speak like this, don't let this come in your mouth. And then a few verses later, after being transformed, in that passage it shows how we were born again, we were saved, we've been redeemed, we've been transformed. Because of that, as to take place in your life, listen to what it says. And let the peace of the Messiah. In other words, remember His gracious words, His powerful words, His humility. Let His words, His attitude come through you and through me, and we will change the world by using the words of Christ. Listen to what it says. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. So you have a choice. I have a choice. We can be controlled by the enemy. We can be controlled by the world. We can be controlled by the flesh, but you have a decision to make. You and I must renew our minds, saying no to the flesh, no to the world, and saying yes to Jesus, and just saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to take control of my mouth, take control of my heart. I want you to work through me. Listen. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then let's, let's follow Jesus. Let's allow the Spirit of Christ to work within us. You ever thought of that? Just rejecting your own ambitions, rejecting your own definitions, your own rules, your own boundaries, and taking upon Jesus. And just this supernatural event of Jesus just filling your heart as you put on the Word of God and you renew your mind, and next thing you know, what changes in your life are your words, your tone, 
your attitude. Let me finish the verse. Verse 16, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And so here's what we do, folks. How do you obey this ninth commandment? Man, you begin to live and talk like Jesus. It's a process of us growing in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of Christ more and more each day to where He takes over. And it is nowhere more evident than in your own mouth. Because that's what Jesus did. Did you know that? Jesus did that. He did it in uh, the fun times when He was with children. He did it when He was proclaiming to uh, the pagan nations. He was very truthful when speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. But He was very gracious, even on the cross, even on very, very tough times and in very bad situations. When people were beating Him and mocking Him, He didn't retaliate. He still had graceful words. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He was suffering, He did not threaten, but entrusted Himself to the one who judges justly. 1 Peter chapter 2, 22-23 shows the attitude and the words of our own Savior even while He was on the cross. And He said this, He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I tell you, I want to be like Jesus in that aspect. I pray you do too. You may realize, and I hope you do, that our words fall short sometimes. That there are times where we must repent of what we say. Actually, one of the most great, the greatest spiritual act you can ever, you can ever do, is when you know that you've done wrong with your mouth, and you're under the conviction of the Spirit, and you take that next step, and you just say, "Father, forgive me." Then you take that next step, and you go to that person, and you say, "My words have offended. I have bore a false testimony about you." about me, about God, and you respond. Now, right where you are, just make a commitment to the Lord to take your mouth control, to watch what you say. Lay it before the Lord and say, God, purify my heart, change me, and mold me. You may be with me today through video, and you may say, you know what, I've never given my life to Christ. Actually, that's the problem. You don't have the capacity to control your own mouth because Jesus isn't inside you. In fact, that's one of the tests, that you have the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And maybe you don't have any of that, or you, you struggle with that, your words, and it's like your mouth takes over your own soul. Maybe it's that way because Jesus doesn't have your heart. He's not living inside of you. And so here's what you and I do. If you haven't ever done this, I did this many years ago. You just simply say, God, forgive me of my sins. I know that I'm in rebellion towards you, and I need your forgiveness. I need you to fill me with your spirit and to change me, and I will follow you. And you simply do that in a prayer, just like this. Just bow your head right where you are.
And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your gracious words. And Lord, we confess that our words sometimes are just out of sorts, full of anger, full of malice, full of threats, full of cutting, full of hurting, full of filthy language. Lord, I pray that you just take our tongue by taking our heart and purifying them. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, become his child right now by simply praying a prayer like this. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know I fall short. I know you died on the cross in my place. Come into my heart and make me new. And Lord, might you be glorified in my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. And now I will live for you. Lord, I know that you've done everything and I can do nothing to save me. And Lord, do that now. Father, we just pray for those that are your children, Lord, that we would commit to you and that our lives would be purified in all ways. And Lord, that you would be blessed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, God bless you. Stay tuned to the website. Um, also, this is a time in our service where we, we receive commitments uh, through the offering plate. Maybe there's, there's a commitment you're making right now. Maybe there's a prayer request you have. Just email those to me at Mac, M-A-C-K, at GMBC, at Glen Meadows Baptist Church, Mac at GMBC.org, and you can get a hold of me and share your prayer request, maybe some decisions you've had. And also, this is a time in our service where we give, and we give to the ministry, and this is a very important time to be a giver. Uh, just because we're not meeting in person, ministry is still going on full force and working hard. Our missionaries are still serving all over the world. And so we just pray that we would all be faithful in our giving. Uh, many are coming by and just dropping off their offering. Many are, many are signing up to give online. Just go to the website and follow the instructions or call the office, and we would love to help you with that. But continue to be faithful in the worship of giving, just like me and my family are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope to see you in person soon. Take care. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glenmeadows Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org. 